0: Welcome back to In the Cube, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host Phil, and I wonder if it's harder for an Englishman to do an American accent than it is vice versa.
1: Oh, I mean, that's a good question. I think it depends on how regional the accent is. I think there are certain regional accents that are a lot easier for them to do. For instance, Boston or a southern accent. I, I don't think that it's easy for them to do a neutral American accent, which is... We've talked about before on the show, Kate Winslet, et al. Well, you mentioned that a
0: Boston accent is easy for them to do, and after this film, I'm not quite so sure I agree with that.
1: Well, well. okay, (laughs) We'll get to it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I'm your co-host, Andrew, and I would like to recommend a companion piece to Black Mass entitled... The USA versus James J. Bulger, which is a documentary that is rather spectacular that I watched several months back without any knowledge of Black Mass, uh-huh. and uh, it was kind of a happy coincidence that I saw it slightly before this. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's
0: worth checking out, definitely. Uh, the film that we are reviewing today is, as Andrew mentioned, Black Mass, a story about the infamous mobster Whitey Bulger. And before we get into the discussion, I just want to tell everybody out there where you can find us on the web. Mm-hmm. You can go to our blog at www.in-the-Q. That's the letter Q.com. On our blog, we post all of our shows. There's a place where you can leave comments or listener requests or just participate in a discussion. We also have a Facebook page. Just search Facebook for In the Q, Q U E U E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. Mm-hmm. On the Facebook page, we post all of our shows again, and uh, we also post videos and other things to kind of, you know, make it even a more rich, interactive experience for our listeners. Indeed. Uh, and then again, as with the blog, you can leave comments and listener requests on the Facebook page, and we will definitely honor them uh, as we go along. Lastly, we have a iTunes account, so you can subscribe to us on iTunes. And uh all of our shows are up uh ready for download and going back to the very beginning. And as we release our shows twice a week, uh you can download those right away. And uh it's pretty great. Yeah, it is pretty great. You're right about it that. It is, you know, I mean the more I think about it, the greater it becomes. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. So, okay, this movie uh Black Mass, it stars Johnny Depp as Whitey Bulger. Uh Jimmy Whitey Bulger. And the film is basically based on the true story of how Whitey Bulger, who is an infamous violent criminal uh, who served time in Alcatraz uh, and then later returned to his hometown of South Boston, uh, he became an FBI informant um, to help take down a mafia family that he thought was invading his turf. And so the film explores Whitey Bulger and then Bulger's relationship with John Connolly, who is... um, a, an FBI agent who is working mm-hmm. with Bulger as the one that uh, you know they share information, basically, providing him asylum
1: as well, essentially.
0: Essentially, yes, yeah. Whitey Bulger, um, he he, basically informs on a ton of people, and then ironically later in the film, a
1: lot of his own crew inform on him. Well, this is actually this is where it's going to get interesting. Yeah because I think this is one of the things that it it talks about in the film, but it doesn't spend a lot of time on, and it goes into a lot more depth in the documentary. The fact is that he wasn't actually providing any information at all. Hmm. Whitey Bulger wasn't providing a shred of useful information. All of those were being poached from other informants' testimony and then being presented as though they were Whitey Bulger's testimony. Well, you know what? This shouldn't come as a surprise, really, because every Hollywood
0: movie—and maybe I can't even just say it's only Hollywood—but every movie pretty much will take dram- uh, dramatic license on any
1: true story. And and well, no, I mean it was it was in the movie. I mean they had that section where where he he walks in the room and he's talking to Kevin Bacon and he's uh, Adam Scott's character uh-huh. uh, walks into the room and, and he's talking to Kevin Bacon's character and he's like, look this This testimony came from this guy's thing five months earlier. This testimony came from this guy's thing two months earlier. It just doesn't linger on it. it's kind of a passing moment in the film oh well but but I mean but
0: bulger meets with with Connolly and they have these like person to person discussions at various locations and it It just
1: seemed like that Bulger was providing some kind of information. I mean, no no, that was I think that was very clear in the film. He was not providing any information no. No, nothing that nothing that was actionable, nothing that he, that he could be used. Essentially, Connolly was creating a fog of sort of uh, vagueness around Whitey Bulger, so that he could essentially protect him. And that part of that fog was taking any actionable intelligence from other CIs mm. and presenting it as though it was Whitey Bulger's testimony when it wasn't when Whitey Bulger wasn't giving any information at all because he couldn't keep Whitey Bulger on the payroll and protected if he wasn't giving good information but Whitey Bulger also wouldn't give information cuz he doesn't believe in being a rat. Right. Yes, okay. And there is there is a moment in the film when Bulger finds a
0: newspaper with a front page headline that says that he that he is uh, an FBI informant but um, when his crew member played by Jesse Plemons uh, confronts him about this he he insists that he is actually that that's just lies that that's right, that's just right. you know a smear campaign um so that's okay that's the general sort of setup of the movie um Johnny Depp uh disappears yet again into a different character uh both in a very physical way and and Personality-wise, as well, I thought he mm-hmm. was good as Whitey Bulger. I was actually pleased that he didn't ham it up and and make it seem too over the top. Yeah, but he kind of looked like an like a sort of like an action figure to me because like he was he was he has the the, the slicked back hair and the the tight shirt and the tight pants and he walks with his arms very close to his body at all times and he,
1: he's. He's the spitting image oh, yeah. of Whitey Bulger. At the very yeah.
0: end of the movie, they do have a credit sequence where they show like uh, actual footage of, of Bulger and, and other players in the story. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, overall, I think the performances are good. Um, but I kind of felt like this movie didn't really add anything to the, the genre that we haven't already seen before. Um, and and I, I'll go ahead and say it. I found a lot of the movie... To be rather uninteresting. Hmm. Um, I think I think there was a there was a handful of scenes that were really gripping, um, but overall, I would say there's something about the way it was filmed, or, or it was there was a distance to it that maybe didn't capture my attention. But I just kind of felt like it's it began really strong and it ended strong, but in the middle, it just kind of. It, it, it spent a lot of time on things that I just
1: thought weren't really crucial to the story and um uh, I well I'm in a different position than you are because I have read a lot about Whitey Bulger I remember when he was um, captured when uh-huh. when the police caught him 2011 yeah and I remember reading about it then and then I also saw this documentary about it, this very excellent docu- documentary about it that really covers all of the information regarding this case, mm-hmm. or at least as much as you could hope to consume in a two-hour period. And it, it, it get, I think that the movie probably works better for someone who is familiar with Whitey Bulger. I could see how it would be uninteresting to somebody else. I found it to be very interesting because I found it to be interesting to see a Dramatization uh-huh. of what I already knew had been going on. Um, I don't think that this film reaches the level of complexity that was actually there. Yeah. Uh, in, in in this this relationship, um, I think this is primarily a film about Whitey and Connolly and their relationship with each other. Mm. Um, and I don't think that that's the full picture. I think that is part of it, but I don't think that's the full picture. I, I don't expect them to paint the full picture necessarily
0: yeah that's difficult um, to do but I, I just feel like when the movie began it almost seemed like it was going to be a story about uh Kevin Jesse Plemons character and his relationship with Whitey Bulger because the like one of the very first images we see is the face of Kevin and, and he's right talking about Whitey Bulger and and then it cuts to a a really gripping sequence where Kevin is is the the bouncer at Whitey's bar, and he gets into a bloody fist fight um, that Whitey Bulger has to come out and settle. Um, and yet, the Kevin character is kind of scuttled after a couple scenes, and then it shifts into this other other kind of realm where um, it was not it didn't seem like the, it was as interesting to me as it was earlier in in the very beginning when it that when there was something i don't know there was something a little bit more at stake i mean in with that with that fight scene that was in the beginning it's like okay here's here's something where you know you can clearly see the conflict between one person and another mm-hmm. and um and you know Later on in the movie, it just kind of focuses on non-conflict and just sort of like everyday scenes and occurrences um, that kind of, I don't know, maybe develop Whitey's
1: character a little bit. But dramatically, don't don't grab me. Well, here's the thing. I think that part of the reason that this is probably dramatically – not as interesting as you would like is that it is spread out over an enormous amount of time. And the whole reason that it worked for as long as it did was that it was very humdrum. Like It was a very by the number, like they were doing the same thing every day. They had worked out a pattern. They were doing the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, it, it isn't a situation where, Something went horribly wrong and everybody got caught or there was a big bust or, you know, there wasn't anything like that that happened. Um, you know, it, it, it was not – the conclusion to the story is not a particularly dramatic one.
0: Oh, I actually like the
1: conclusion. I mean, I thought the, the way they
0: tied it together at the end was very interesting and involving.
1: No, no. I'm saying I, – I think it was actually very well presented in the film – but I think that it that that's the nature of the story itself is that it wasn't a thrilling like it wasn't a race to the finish you know like we're like we typically will see in a crime film
0: mm-hmm.
1: right and and so uh, maybe that accounts for some of the not being as interesting because the the fact is that to focus on those peripheral characters. In a in a fictional film would make a lot of sense, but in this context, it doesn't make much sense because they're just foot soldiers. They don't do much on a day to day basis, and the story isn't really about them. It's about Whitey Bulger and Connolly, right? Yeah. And so, I think that perhaps it was a mistake to have included that in the first place as a uh, as a aside. The Kevin Weeks sequence, plot, you mean? The Kevin Weeks sequence, some of the ones with uh, uh, what? Flemmy, Steve Flemmy, the the character played by Rory Cochran, um, who who's like one of his uh, one of his side yeah, sidekicks, you know, whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever you want to call him, and um, like it, it it cuts back and forth throughout the film between interview footage of them essentially snitching on him. And then the the sequences that they're describing, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe, maybe it could have done without any of those at all. Now, again, I'm, I'm talking from the perspective of someone who's trying to understand maybe why it, it didn't hit you as hard. Because when it came down to it, I actually found the movie very compelling. I found it, found it very interesting. Um, I thought the performances, by and large, were wonderful. Um, I thought... I really like Joel Edgerton as a performer. I think that everything that I've seen him in, I've really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Johnny Depp is great in this film. I think he totally vanishes into that role. I mean, he's he's literally unrecognizable in the film. And the only complaint that I could think of or the only nitpicking that I had about that performance was that I found it to be a little bit two-dimensional. I didn't find it to be a very interesting character but then i thought to myself well whitey bulger was a pretty two-dimensional guy but even more than that maybe it's the writing more than was his performance they don't give him a whole lot there's not a whole lot of depth to his character in the words that are on screen right he he he's kind of an archetypal mobster character
0: yeah um but i also would lay some of the blame on on johnny depp too i mean yeah he whitey bulger's character does he is kind of layered. I mean, there's a there's a telling scene which was in the trailer for this movie too, where uh, he's having dinner with um, Connolly and uh, and some other FBI people, and uh, he's pressing one of the FBI agents for his recipe um, for a dish that he made, and right, it's a right. family recipe for for steak, and um, and uh, Bulger is toying with him, and he is trying to make a point about, um, you know, keeping your mouth shut. And basically he gets the FBI agent to reveal the recipe and then he turns the tables on him and says, I thought this was a family secret. You just gave me a family secret. And he makes the FBI agent very comfortable. But then in classic Goodfellas fashion, Bulger says, I'm just breaking your balls. (laughs) You should see his face. Um, That's just one instance that came to my mind that shows... The, how his mind worked, how he he was yeah
1: he was, but he's I, like the thinking man's mobster, it seems well i i think that was you know strictly an intimidation tactic. I don't think that it was him actually breaking his balls, I think that was him testing the waters because then he proceeds to stand up and go out of the room to intimidate Connolly's wife. another interesting scene, yeah, another interesting scene although i th- i I found both of those scenes to be almost. Comical in the execution. Um not not, not intentionally good, so. Yeah, no, not intentionally so. I, I felt like uh especially the scene where he goes to intimidate Connolly's wife, um, who's played in this film by Julianne Nicholson, who's an actress I really like a lot. Uh she was in Boardwalk Empire and and did a wonderful turn in that show. I thought she
0: was really good in this movie too, that she was well cast because because yeah. I feel like actresses of that time period, which was like the early 80s in the film, often had the, a lot of freckles on their face, kind of like a Karen Allen slash Margot Kidder thing going yeah. on with the very thin, tan actresses. I mean, I thought she was she really kind of fit right in with the period. And she was a good actress
1: as well. Yeah, yeah. And she's been really great in, in some other stuff that I've seen too. and uh, And I thought she was excellent, but the scene was such a, it was played in such a bizarre way. Um, well, directorially speaking, like I found it to just be like a, a weird uh-huh. scene. Well, what, and ma- <laughs> what was
0: weird about it for me is I was thinking, like, I was trying to understand why she just stood there while he was rubbing his hand all over her face and neck, and would she yeah. was she so intimidated that she just couldn't step backwards a little bit and just remove herself from the situation, but the, what hap- Yeah, that's yeah, what but- happens in the scene is she's, she basically gets molested by Bulger and, uh, and, and
1: becomes even more afraid of him than she actually already was. Yeah. She's, she's the one who's keyed into the whole deal. And she's talked to her husband, John, about the fact that she hates that he has this relationship with this guy. She hates that John invited him over, Yeah, you know, all, all of this stuff. Um. So she's keyed into it. So when he comes upstairs to intimidate her, it's a. I don't know. It felt a little labored, um, and maybe it happened. I don't know. I don't think it was mentioned anywhere in the, mm-hmm. uh, the documentary, other than saying like that they had a close relationship and and he would go over to their house for cookouts and stuff. Right. Um. But dramatically, I'm not sure it was necessary. Maybe that's part of my maybe that's my problem with it, is that I don't think that it had a play like it came very late in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, immediately following it was kind of the the conclusion of the film, so it didn't set a tone necessarily. We already knew this guy was bad. We already knew he was scary. We already knew, you know, we had we that had been reinforced several times. So I'm not sure what purpose it served dramatically, other than. To fill, you know, to fill in the check marks on the list of mob movie tropes that we have to put in this film. Well, you, you just touched on something that I definitely
0: felt <laughs> watching.
1: Yeah, I, I knew um, you would.
0: <laughs> just to give, an, give an example: all of the all the mob hits in this movie, you can see coming a mile away. I mean, um, yeah. there's really. And it's a wonder that the people that it's happening to don't see it coming a mile away either. (laughs) Um, And I just kind of felt like, you know, I mean, if if, try and make it a little bit more creative, like if you if if we know exactly what's about to happen, do we need to even see it? If you're not going to show it to us in an interesting or different way, then let's just move on and get to something that is interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about this is, you know, this was directed by Scott Cooper, who did uh, Crazy Heart, which was an excellent film, and Out of the Furnace, which was another very good film. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scott Cooper, those films are very kind of gritty, you know, kind of dirty films, you mm-hmm. know. And to some extent, that, that, is a natural fit for a mobster film, right? But in some ways, it's not, uh, because he takes a very matter-of-fact approach to photographing everything in this film. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it's just, and we've talked about this recently with quite a few films, I feel like, uh, where it's just kind of observational uh, mm-hmm. photography. It's not, there's not a whole lot of thought given to composition we or camera movement. Or, camera movement or anything like that you you compare this to something like goodfellas which i know is maybe unfair but i think kind of in some ways inevitable
0: yeah i mean goodfellas
1: Uh, set the template for movies like this from here to eternity right right but when you talk about executing the executions in this film with more style, you think of a film like Goodfellas where you're constantly – even upon rewatching it, if you've seen it ten times like I'm sure you and I have, you know, re-watching it, you're still surprised and excited by what you're seeing on screen, what you're, how you're seeing it unfold. Yeah. I mean
0: take, take the deaths of Morty and Stax uh-huh. in Goodfellas. Those are two death scenes that you do not see coming at all. And, yeah. that, and then it adds to the shock value and, and, and the terror. Like, wow, these guys committing these crimes are so unpredictable.
1: Or Spider, man. Spider, yeah. There's another great example of an unexpected death. Yeah, uh, and that's that's the one that really disturbs me because some people find that scene genuinely funny, and I think it's horrifying in every well, way. Well, you know,
0: not to go on a tangent, but um, the studio actually wanted Scorsese to take out that scene from the film because... Because it it really makes the monsters look like horrible, unlikable people, and it's a vicious scene. And Scorsese's like, exactly. That's why the movie has this scene in it because these are not good yeah. guys. You know, yeah.
1: you need to see that they're
0: not good fellows. You oh, might they're say. not good fellows.
1: <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, to 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 be fair to this film, it's a different film. It's made by a different director. It's written by different people. It's starring different people. But um, but I think that, that that level of skill of execution that you're talking about isn't here. Well, I'm not going to say that the level of skill not there. I think that the desire to execute in that fashion isn't here.
0: I haven't seen Crazy Heart or Out of the Furnace, but what I, oh, what wow. I observed of Scott Cooper's style is he has a very delicate, sensitive appreciation uh, for visual beauty. And And poetry, yeah. even, um, yeah, because absolutely. there are scenes and shots throughout this movie that don't necessarily revolve around the violent storyline, but rather, you can't help but notice that you're watching something very lovely and And in those scenes, his distance as a, as a filmmaker, this is my perceived distance that he's doing, yeah yeah, yeah, um, that distance works to his advantage for those kind of contemplative scenes. Um, but for, for some reason, a lot of the scenes that were dialogue driven or dialogue scenes in general, um, just, I could not, I could not attach myself to them. I just was not moved and I don't know if it's because he, Scott Cooper was not involved. I mean, I can't quite say that he is the sole, um, personality behind this film because he was working with a crew of course but but Mm -hmm. needless to say like it almost was like this director is he he's bringing like a whole other feel to this movie
1: that that you've seen a very distinct yeah that you haven't
0: seen in any other movie of its
1: ilk yeah yeah and that's that's sort of what i was saying with my comparison to goodfellas It, it isn't so much that i'm comparing the two films but the typically the crime film that we've seen for the past 25 years at the very least, or even dating back to the Godfather mm-hmm. um, is a very clean, very um, presentational kind of a film, right? Uh, it, it tends to emulate the kind of lives that the people are leading that are in this. And this film really has no regard for that. In fact, if anything, it's in love with, Southy, Right. Uh-huh. It's it's in love with the sort of working class Boston neighborhoods where it's shot and where the whole thing takes place. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, and so it, in, a, in a strange way, maybe Scott Cooper's aesthetic works very well for that kind of blue collar kind of I mean, both Crazy Heart and Out of the Furnace are films about blue collar people. Yeah. You know, set you know into extraordinary circumstances that they have to kind of fight their way yeah. through. I mean, uh, sometimes literally. There's yeah. a there's <laughs> a
0: lovely scene in near in the first third of the film where Bulger and some of his other crew um, pass this uh, old woman who's just walking to her her home down the sidewalk, and they recognize her and they go over and and talk to her and and she's so happy to see him and they they're just neighbors, you know and and I right, you know you, right. you know I wonder I wondered at first like oh does she know who the hell this guy is like what he stands for what he does and one of the first things she says to him you know through her smile is oh how I thought you were in prison or when when did you, when did you get out of prison and it's kind of like that's a nice scene because it it says something about the neighborhood and it says something about right. Um, how how news spreads in the neighborhood and and what people know
1: about each other and how how sort of within that neighborhood even like she doesn't write him off for being a criminal or having gone to jail or having spent time at alcatraz it's like he's gone on a trip yeah and he's returned it's like oh you're back from alcatraz isn't that nice Your trip (laughs) in san francisco how was it Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was so,
0: in retrospect that was a, that was a nice scene. Um and but it was. I guess maybe the uh, the the opening of the film set a tone that I expected the film to sustain through its running time. I you it it yeah, didn't yeah. do that and um I, I, I this movie right now is at an 8.0 on IMDb. And it's still you know new to theaters. Uh, the Metascore is sixty eight. I'm thinking this movie's probably going to go down to like around a six point nine or so. It's going to settle around there in due time.
1: Yeah, that's probably fair. That's probably fair. Um, it might. I I would say it might linger in the mid sevens somewhere. If only because of Johnny Depp's performance mm-hmm. and his disappearance. I think that I think it's it's impressive. Um, I think, I think people are. T- One of the things that I was worried about, going very worried about going into this film, was that he it would be a caricature. Yeah, you know, I was afraid that he would just blow it so out of proportion, and it w- he would just be chewing the scenery the entire movie. And he really doesn't. Yeah. He's very, he's very restrained. He's very controlled. He is. He's very. Uh, he very much has a sense of a, a, a character, uh-huh. right? Which of course I think he almost always. I mean, like you couldn't say that his creation of J- captain Jack Sparrow is not a fully fledged character. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately that's sort of what he's been known for more than um, his acting chops, which of course he has, you know, right in, in abundance. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it was good. It was good in a lot of ways to see him really bite into this role and really take it very seriously. and, really give it the sort of uh gravitas that it needs and that it deserves um it's just it's just a shame that it couldn't have been in a, a slightly more compelling film he
0: yeah he really towers over this movie i feel i think he he kind of out outclasses yeah. the film with his uh larger than life portrayal but, but it is also restrained as you were saying he's not I mean, very rarely does he get even that emotional in this movie.
1: He never right, really right.
0: yells or raises his voice. I mean, I'm sure it happens at least once or twice, but I can't recall when. Yeah. But, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch
1: is the, the sole <laughs> British person in this film. Well, Joel Edgerton is really. Uh, he, he's Australian, I think. Or could I? I'm. To- I might be totally wrong on that. Let's find out. <laughs> uh yeah, New, New South Wales, Australia. He's Australia. Oh, well, he did a great English American accent. Yeah, that's why I was I was a little bit surprised by your, your opening because I was like, oh, I think Joel Edgerton was great. Who incidentally, I think Joel Edgerton is really I mean he's he's been putting together a very, very interesting uh resume of really, like, he's he's making very good, very interesting choices mm-hmm. for films, and I think that he's doing a great job. For me, he he's like Jeremy Renner. Like, I... I there's yeah, something about yeah. the
0: two of those guys, and I think they were both in The Hurt Locker together. Was... Was, uh, the,
1: was Joel Edgerton in The Hurt Locker? I don't think so. He was in... Uh, I know he was in... Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty, yeah. I don't think he was in The Hurt Locker. Okay. Well, anyways, they both are... He was in Animal Kingdom, though, which is a great film. He was in Warrior with Tom Hardy, Uh which was great. Um, He's been in a lot of really interesting stuff. And most recently, a movie that's out right now, actually, it's sort of at the tail end of its run, but a film that he actually directed as well called The Gift with Jason Bateman uh, and Rebecca Hall, I think. Uh, Yeah, Rebecca Hall is that... Was, is supposed to be excellent. I have not seen it yet. Yeah, but uh, but I really I really like what he's doing. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying his performances. I think he's making smart choices as an actor, and I think that that's really excellent. Yeah, definitely. But um,
0: I was I was referencing Benedict Cumberbatch's attempt at a Boston yes, yes. accent.
1: Yeah, it's not you so know, good. Not that good. But you know, well. You know, I mean, it's, I would not say that Benedict Cumber, Cumberbatch strikes me as a, uh, he's one of those sort of classical British actors, uh, in, in the same way that Kate Winslet can't really crack an American accent very well. Well, I, I thought she was good I, in uh, Eternal Sunshine. You don't think? I thought that that's as good as she ever gets, and even there you can still hear it. Do you
0: mean like in movies like Carnage, her accent is not as
1: good? In movies like Carnage, and movies like uh, Revolutionary Road, it's just abysmal. Wow. I, I remember watching Re- Revolutionary Road and just thinking to myself, God, this is <laughs> oh, this is unacceptable. Oh, <laughs> but not not to rag on no, her, but awesome. I think it's. I mean, she's an incredible actress, but uh, I I just it's one of those things that I I can hear every time almost. Yeah, except in in some in some cases.
0: Well, I I partly wonder if maybe I'm being too hard on old Benny because I I already know that he's not an American and so when I hear him speak in, in an American accent I'm already biased knowing that that's not how he actually talks but then I stop and think no he's not doing a very good job after all
1: <laughs> yeah no I think that's fair yeah,
0: but I mean I think he, he looks great
1: in the movie he seems like fairly well cast it's a good performance yeah. I'm not going to argue with that at yeah. all um, it's just a little bit of a weird accent that's a little strange just like tom hardy in the drop <laughs> tom hardy this there's, there's tumblers or uh, you know uh, websites devoted to tom hardy's myriad accents oh really yeah how in every movie he adopts a different weird accent that nobody can quite place
0: right there was a trailer for the <laughs> new tom hardy film Le- legend oh, yeah. which yeah i'm i don't know the story of the craze that well but it seems odd that they're Turning him into some, the the craze into some kind of Robin Hood esque uh, anti-hero. <laughs> but hey, I haven't seen the film yet, so I don't know what they do exactly. But yeah, but Who I knows? just think it's weird. There was a movie about made about the craze called The Craze that came out in the nineties. Interesting, but, um, yeah. Well, uh, so Andrew, tell me, just tell me overall, what do, do you recommend this film?
1: I do. I think it's I think it's an interesting film. I think that the the subject matter is fascinating. If you want to dig a little bit deeper into that, um, obviously you could read up on it. There's a million articles out there about it, but you can also watch the film "The USA versus James J. Bulger," an excellent documentary about this very subject. It will help flesh out your knowledge of it. It might even help you to watch it beforehand, as mm-hmm. our discussion has kind of uh, borne out because it it might help you have a better appreciation for what's going on even if uh even if it's not uh I, I think it's a i think it's an interesting film but not you know it's not great it's not compelling performances are worth seeing but overall overall it's worth catching in the theater if you if you can but uh i wouldn't say that it's an absolute necessity to get out there and see i should also add that i saw this movie
0: in the theater for 475 whoa yeah, yeah. Well, how about that? So if you're able to see it at that rate Check check <laughs> it out. Check it out.
1: It's not worth fifteen <laughs> fifty though.
0: Oh no. That's no, what you're no, saying. Definitely not. Um I I don't really recommend it, but um but the I would agree that the performances are good, especially Johnny Depp at the center of the film. But um I just mm-hmm. I I wasn't really a fan, so that's just how I feel.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think we fall on either side of the spectrum here, um, just just either side of the midpoint of the spectrum, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? Rather than just both of us being in the middle.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, okay, that's our show about Black Mass, the story about Whitey Bulger and John Connolly. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode. It's going to be another listener's choice. We're going to talk about Cloud Atlas with Kim. Who is a first-time guest on our show? It's going to be exciting.
1: It's a long movie. It's a yeah, nearly three hours. Yeah, yeah. but uh, we, and it's and it's the Wachowskis, the uh, makers of the Matrix, with, with a little help
0: from Tom Tykefair of Run the Run, yeah, which is very interesting. Yeah. We'll talk about that. I'm so sure. We hope you'll join us for that.